Okay, good evening. Podcast number three overall. First podcast of 2016. Pretty excited about this podcast because it is an issue that is uh, pretty complicated and uh, affects uh, a small segment of what we do in the emergency department, and that is uh, drug safety in pregnancy and lactation. And the reason I'm diving into this is because the FDA, uh, just about a year ago, decided to eliminate the uh, letter category approach to pregnancy and lactation labeling. So no longer are we going to have the A, B, C, D, and X that we have come to rely on, uh, albeit somewhat erroneously at times, to determine um, the safety for uh, pregnant patients and lactating mothers. The pregnancy and lactation labeling rule basically says going forward that it is no longer satisfactory to just call a drug an A, a B, a C, uh, and you have to be replaced that with basically specific uh, drug safety information. Uh, and there are three things that they're going to do. They're going to provide, uh, uh, combine the pregnancy and the labor and delivery issues into one section. Uh, and encourage patients to enroll in a pregnancy exposure registry if one is available on the FDA uh, website. Not all drugs have a registry. Uh, The second thing they'll do is provide specific information for lactation and nursing mothers, and that is specific to the amount of drug, the effect on the lactation, that is to say, will affect the amount of milk, etc., and what infant effects there'll be. And the third one is to include a category to discuss male and female reproductive uh, potential issues. Uh, So fertility issues for both men and women, pregnancy testing, and uh, contraception uh, for women, obviously. So uh, a little bit complicated, and uh, nothing anybody needs to do uh, on the prescribing side. Uh, The... um, the, the drug companies have to do all the labeling, but what we will definitely have a burden uh, to do is to take this new labeling and understand it. And the problem with the old labeling was that it, it gave everybody a, I think, false sense of confidence when they were prescribing. Uh, the A, B, C, D, and X categories were, con- were sort of treated as a continuum, uh, like you were getting a grade in a test. You know, an A was a great drug and a C was eh, and a D and an X, obviously you should completely avoid. The truth is is that those categories um, really don't mean that at all. A category A drug was supposed to show that there were adequate studies um, and no human risk was found. That's a category A drug. Category B and C were basically that there were no adequate studies the difference between B and C was that B, animal studies showed no risk, and in C, animal studies did show a risk or an adverse effect. D is pretty clear. There's evidence of human risk, but that human risk may be outweighed by the benefits to the patients. And X was that the evidence of human risk was so great that um, alternatives obviously had to be a choice. The risk outweighed the, uh, the benefits. So, um, you know, an A drug was considered safe and a B drug was considered safe, but basically what a B drug had was no real human uh, uh, human data. 
So let's take a couple of uh, examples and see how these sort of categories have uh, allowed us to sort of go down a, uh, a primrose path on some level, but um, didn't really enhance patient safety. Uh, and let's take the case of someone uh, who is uh, pregnant in the first trimester and has bacterial sinusitis, and we won't go into whether they actually have bacterial sinusitis or not, but just I'm trying to pick a common prescribing situation. In that case, if you look at the drugs indicated in bacterial sinusitis, you might find that augmentin is a good choice, and you may want to use um, uh, antihistamine decongestant combo like loratadine and Sudafed and Claritin D, and you might want to give a little acetaminophen uh, for um, headache or uh, pain associated with the sinusitis. And you may or may not consider using a nasal steroid as part of that regimen. Well, what are the, uh, what are the ABCs of all that? Well, augmentin is a category B, uh, which uh, should make you feel pretty good, no risk in animals and no adequate studies in humans. And uh, Claritin D, or loratadine and Sudafed, is a BC combo. So Claritin is a B. That would be considered relatively safe. But Sudafed is a C, and why is that? Uh, uh, it's a C because there is an association with neural tube defects and gastroschisis when taken in the first trimester with Sudafed. No studies really have uh, proven uh, that there's a human risk in that, but that's the animal risk. Now, what about the acetaminophen, right? You feel very comfortable prescribing that in pregnancy, but a recent Danish study showed that there was an enhanced risk of ADHD in the offspring of women who were taking acetaminophen. So this conundrum uh, gets uh, a little bit uh, more complicated when you start thinking about even adding nasal steroids because there are budenicide, for example, is a B, and fluticasone is a C, and uh, mostly because budenicide has a fair amount of evidence um, uh, showing uh, some sort of safety, whereas fluticasone really doesn't have enough either way. So what does that show you? Well, it, it, what it really shows you is that you need a list of drugs in pregnancy that you feel comfortable prescribing and comfortable giving a patient a risk-benefit analysis for. Uh, so with regard to acetaminophen, you might say, um, I prescribe acetaminophen all the time to pregnant patients, as do many obstetricians. There are studies that suggest there might be a risk of ADHD. Those studies haven't been confirmed. If your headache is not too bad, you might want to consider skipping the acetaminophen. The augmentin will make you better. Everything else will make you comfortable. Uh, these are the drugs and their risk profile. A conversation like that is what the future for prescribing in pregnancy is going to be, I think, about on many levels. Uh, let's take another case, and maybe an uh, even more important situation. Um, let's say you have just diagnosed a pregnancy, a person, uh, a patient did not know they were pregnant, and you did a pregnancy test that was positive, surprise to you and the patient, and that patient is on an antidepressant. Well, we know that discontinuing antidepressants during pregnancy is not a good idea. Paroxetine or Paxil is one that ought to be discontinued in the first trimester and, and needs a referral to the OBGYN. But Lexapro and Celexa, which are escitalopram and citalopram, 
uh, really are not a problem in the first trimester. The only reports with those are in the third trimester. So those being as uh, paroxetine is a D, but Lexapro and Celexa um, um, are Cs, those drugs being just described C really don't give you enough information. You really need to know that the issue is the third trimester. And so, you know, you would hope that you would not discontinue um, those C antidepressants uh, because of that, because of fear of being at a C. Uh, how about uh, a very common situation in pregnancy, and that's hyperemesis gravidarum, nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. Uh, this is a very interesting story. So without, without much concern, we prescribe a fair amount of, um, you know, Zofran, IV fluids, etc., um, when trying to uh, get patients to stop vomiting as part of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. And for good reason, Zofran is a uh, B. Unfortunately, uh, Zofran has recently been reported to uh, be associated with birth defects. And that same study, the Danish study, showed that Reglan um, uh, in the same study was relatively safe. So would you choose Reglan or would you choose Zofran, uh, even though they're both B? And just to make things interesting for my toxicology friends out there. Uh, the one drug that is a category A in nausea and vomiting in pregnancy is a combination drug of doxylamine, an antihistamine, and pyridoxine. Um, this drug um, had been in the past uh, formulated as bendectin. Now, the thing about bendectin was uh, that bendectin was the um, drug at the, at, the, at the very basis of the case of um, Dahlberg versus Merrill Dow. Uh, and that is the uh, Supreme Court case which resulted in uh, the ruling that basically said that you uh, could not submit junk science um, in, as um, expert testimony. Um, it, it, uh, Dahlberg established a standard for admissibility of scientific testimony in a court of law. And uh, plaintiffs were alleging that bendectin uh, had caused birth defects. Um, there was a um, plaintiff's expert who had sort of fabricated some data. And Merrill Dow actually pulled bendectin from the market. Uh, it's continued in Canada, and studies over many uh, years since then have demonstrated that it is a category A. So the combination of doxylamine and pyridoxine which is now marketed as diclegis, is a category A to prevent morning sickness. So again, you know, the uh, prescribing in pregnancy uh, and what you know, what you don't know, and the category systems um, really have not really helped get category or safe drugs to patients. Um, perhaps what we've done is sort of relied on the ABCs to get uh, to sort of comfort ourselves about the drugs we use. Uh, and uh, not really relied on the evidence. So I think that's it's great that the FDA is doing this. Um, we, I'm the editor-in-chief of uh, Tarascon Pharmacopeia. We are studying this problem in a very detailed way, and we're going to try to come up with a shorthand recommendation based on uh, pregnancy trimester uh, for our handbook in, uh, in another year. Uh, we'll see how it goes with that. 
But I think the uh, to summarize that you're going to have to develop a detailed uh, understanding of the drugs that you commonly prescribe to uh, pregnant patients. And you're going to have to get some comfort with discussing the risks and the risks specific to that patient and their um, risk benefit. So say goodbye to category A, B, and C, uh, D, and X over the next 12 months or so, um, and say hello to more and more evidence-based prescribing, something I think we all would welcome. All right, thank you, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye now.